why bother getting annoyed if you can just go back to like the thing that you want, which is the end goal of being happy? We just get pissed off about stuff that you don't need to get pissed off about. Yeah, I guess I'd like to help people just spend more time being happy and not wasting their time getting angry and ruining things that they don't need to. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreatepodcast.com. See you there. In this week's episode, I speak with Sam Harris, who is a nomadic entrepreneur and podcaster. He hosts a growth mindset podcast where he interviews amazing individuals such as billionaires, Olympians, and even a hitman. Sam has hitchhiked across Kazakhstan, lived in the wilderness of Tasmania, cycled the length of Britain, and even visited North Korea. So listen on to find out how Sam has been able to explore the world as a nomadic entrepreneur. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us. I am so excited to have Sam here. Hey Sam, how are you? Great, Debbie, thank you. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for being here. So before we get to all of the things you're going to share with us, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? I swear we, we just said that we're doing the opposite order of you were going to say everything about me and then I'd add some more. So I'm a bit surprised and I'm a uh, very happy to talk about my offbeat life though, because I, it was more, I feel like I was never on beat and um, just a bit deluded by why people do have an on-beat life, if there is such a thing. Yeah, I just don't really like having people kind of enforce what you should do when. And I'm, I think this comes maybe because I'm quite dyslexic and I, I never learned in the same style as other people, but I found that I did really well if I taught myself how I wanted to. And I guess it's the same with like, you know, making a living. I kind of, people try and make me sort of sit in an office all day long and it's just like chaos. Whereas if I do things in my own way, it works really well and, you know, that's my thing. So I just do it. And does that make sense? (laughs) Well, you're definitely a rogue, right? You don't like to be what everyone expects you to be. And that definitely shows with everything that you have done with your life. So one of the things I read up about you is you actually started a company when you were still in college and you were busy doing all of these things. How are you able to do that and actually keep up with everything? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. It didn't go brilliantly well to start with. Like I would have if given the option, I would have taken the year out, but they wouldn't let me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I finished my first year and then over the summer holidays, I started a business because somehow for some strange reason, they, during the first year, they tested this um, method of doing our exams online. So obviously we sort of cheated and so I'd passed all my exams before the summer had even arrived. So like during the time when everyone's studying for exams, I like had nothing to do. So I started writing business plans instead and then it got to the actual summer holidays and I actually started executing on them. And by the time we came back, I kind of had a business that was running. And so I had my whole second year where I was running this logistics company 
but without any tech. So I was kind of constantly running out of lectures to take calls and like organize people doing deliveries and things. And it was a bit chaos. And I, I did really badly in my second year. <laughs> um, and I somehow just about scraped through with getting some help from some friends that were really useful. And like I was in a flat with some really cool people and I literally spent no time with them at all. And, like they're great friends, but I think I spent more time with them the rest of my life than I ever did in the year that I was actually living with them, um, which is perhaps a bit sad. So I would recommend starting a business, but maybe not a logistics one that requires lots of your time, perhaps in your second year. But by third year, I, um, I got a business partner who uh, that was really lucky. I, I wouldn't say I, I know that much about finding business partners. I kind of gave up on running everything in, in the summer holidays of the second year and just took a one-way ticket to Ibiza, which I hated. <laughs> and I left after two days and went to Germany for a month and just like hiked around mountains. And that was lovely. But when I got back, there was this guy who I'd interviewed just before I left who um, was just meant to be a rider, but because no one was organizing things, he um, ended up organizing it all. And I got back and he was organizing my business for me. So I just let him become my business partner and do all the organizing side of things. And I just moved into sales and growth. <laughs> so I, it's not like I was some genius plan to do these things. It just sort of was very lucky, <laughs> right person at the right time. And so, yeah, I guess I know things kind of happen by fate or something. And so I ended up having a business partner. So for my third year, I ended up kind of getting a first, but overall it ended up, being like a very good 2-1, which is quite frustrating because I could have done a lot less work in my third year and still got the same degree. But that's life. And so, yeah, I would recommend trying entrepreneurial things in your university if you can. It's a great place where if you do fail, if you can take a year out, if you really want to go hard on it, that would make sense because maybe your studies won't go so well. Well, you definitely found the right person to help you with it. But don't say that it was just luck because you also did so much work to it. And I can't believe you created such a successful company. I mean, you definitely had your ups and downs and your setbacks. But at the end of the day, it was something that really got you through everything. And would you say you learned more from creating that company than actually being in school? Yeah, I would say I I have a better business degree from doing that than I do like a biology degree from studying biology, I guess, overall. <laughs> um, but well, what's interesting is actually we started doing basically Deliveroo style things. This was quite a long time ago before like, Uber or Deliveroo. I actually had to stop that part of the business because it was being too successful and I was definitely going to fail my degree if I carried on with it. <laughs> and the ironic thing is if maybe I dropped out, I'd be like the story of like the person that had started Deliveroo and the billionaire dropped out of his college to become rich. And for some reason I didn't do that, which is a bit stupid, um, <laughs> but hindsight. Now, when you were finally able to graduate college and you still had this business, how did you prepare for your next journey to going off into the real world? I mean, you have been doing it even when you were in school. And I know you actually sold that company, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of preparations, in the university, they had like a business incubator for students running companies. And because I basically had the most experience out of the students that had just graduated, they always try and hire one student to then run this incubator who's just graduated. So I was the one selected to do that. So I en ended up running a business incubator for a year at the same time as I was still doing my company. And that was really fun because I got to help loads of other students running businesses and got to connect with loads of fun things. And so that kind of really helped me bridge the gap between being a student and being like a business person, I guess. And then I got to the point where I sort of, I got the company to a situation where 
the next step was going to be like a really big scale up with tech, but my business partner wasn't so keen on doing that. So it was doing really well, but I was a bit like a spare part by that point because I couldn't really do any more sales for them to cope with. So I ended up doing quite a lot of traveling and sort of fun things and taking on some other random projects after I'd finished running the business incubator. And then it became clear over that year that I wasn't really that involved with the business, which is why I then sold my half of the company, which it had then become. Was that hard for you to do to finally let go of that company and do something completely different? Yes. As in, I should have done it the year ahead when I first became a spare part and wasn't really doing things. But it took the whole year of feeling like I was involved, but not really doing anything and just sort of mudging the waters and just being like an awkward person to really like get to the conclusion of being like, actually, I'm not really helping at all. And it would be better if I wasn't there. And that was kind of like it. In hindsight, it's really obvious that I wasted that time for a year and didn't help. But at the time, I sort of, it wasn't something I could really sort of conceive of. So yeah, it was quite a hard process, and especially something that is like you really care about a lot of the time. You were going through a lot of transitions too, right? You just left college. You're selling this company that you had built up, essentially in the beginning on your own, and now you realize that it wasn't right for you to be there anymore. We all have this what now moment. What was yours like throughout all of these transitions? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it was a hard one to know exactly because like, all your friends are getting jobs and doing normal things. And it's my parents were always, they're, they're really proud of everything I ever achieve entrepreneurially or like I had a gap year before university and they're quite proud when I got back from it. But beforehand, they were very against it. And again, every time I sort of say I might start a business, they're always like, oh, that's, that's a really nice job with like IBM you could go and do Sam or something. And they never really <laughs> pushed me in like the do something scary, adventurous direction. And so I guess everyone was doing something normal and it did feel like that's what I should be doing, I guess. And so, yeah, I was a bit confused and I kind of wandered around for a bit, did a bit of odd contracting. And I decided that, I guess, the thing that had been preventing me from scaling the business was like tech knowledge so I decided to try and get a job as a product manager just to like get a better understanding of tech and things which it was quite fun I ended up working for an emotion an AI company that recognizes human emotions I was a product manager for them and that was a really really fun time actually in like a startup still but getting much more involved in tech and like understanding how developers work and doing these kind of things yeah, I found some purpose, like having a direction of trying to learn tech. And then I kind of got frustrated after six months, just telling people what to do with not actually understanding how to code. So I then started learning more how to code, which is what I've been doing over the last few years is learn to code and then run an agency and went around the world traveling again <laughs> <laughs> um, whilst working on building apps for people. And so that's kind of what I've been doing since then. You are definitely a constant student. You love to learn and you start implementing them. How did you exactly transition into becoming a remote and nomadic entrepreneur? It's hard when you're talking about your CV to sort of allude to everything. Because I, I could sort of broadly say I've done like sort of like three major things. But then if you look at anything, you know, like there's like fractal pictures where you look at it, there's like, there's a few things and you sort of look closer. There's like, oh, actually there's as many things in the smaller picture. And then you look closer and there's like as many things in this tiny, smaller picture. It's kind of like that with my life. Um, <laughs> so if you like zoom in a bit, like I guess at one point I was running an adventure business and that was really fun. 
I started a meetup. I had about like 10,000 people join and I basically would run like skiing holidays or kite surfing holidays and things. And I just booked like a chalet or something for like a grand and then try and get 10 people to pay me sort of 500 pounds. So I ended up like making a bit of money for all the expenses and everything. And I got to go on holiday for free and do like adventure things. I kind of realized you could make money whilst traveling and having fun, but I decided that I didn't really want to be hosting and constantly being caring for people and dealing with their problems and stuff. And like, I like having people around to have fun with whilst I'm traveling, but it was, it wasn't quite so much fun for you. So I then kind of moved more into actually, I'd rather just be doing some work like a remote business, like an Amazon fulfilled business or contracting or something where I can kind of enjoy myself a bit more and just do things on my own time rather than constantly being sort of forced to do something. So I don't, I don't like having to do something at a specific time, I guess. Whereas with like that sort of travel style business, you're sort of very forced into what you have to do. So I like having the ability to make a decision on my own terms kind of thing. So I've just done different stuff since then that's allowed me to travel. And so I've had the intention of starting like a fulfilled by Amazon business, but haven't got around to doing that, but I've done other things instead. So yeah, and like the podcast has been a really fun one to start building whilst I've been traveling. And I don't think this really describes the exact like normal pathway to just become like a remote person. I just sort of <laughs> accidentally did it. At some point, I just sort of found myself doing it and wouldn't say what was the first step. I think the very first thing I did was I went to Mexico for two months and I worked on some contract engineering stuff. And I spent each morning building some databases for someone. And every afternoon, I just did like salsa classes and Spanish classes. And that was like a really nice month. And that was before I'd ever really heard about nomadic entrepreneur or like working or anything. I just sort of happened to be doing it. And I think I read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, like a year later. I was like, I think this guy's like <laughs> written down all my thoughts for me. And in my book. <laughs> this is nice. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> it was a bit of a funny one to read. And it's like, ah, oh, you've organized what I'm trying to do and <laughs> made it sensible for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely the go-to book for a lot of people, whether it changes your life or you're already doing it. And like what you just said, Sam, oh, wow, it's actually written and Mm. this is what I'm doing, which is really interesting and so funny. And that book has definitely also changed my life. And I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to on this podcast who definitely mentioned that book as well. Now, it seems like, Sammy, everything that you have really touched, you have like the Midas touch, right? Because it has become really successful and you just kind of go by your instincts and you just go and find out what you like. You try it out. If you don't like it, then you move on to something else until you figure out what really works for you. What do you think is your secret sauce in making each of these projects successful? I guess quickly cleaning up after the ones that don't work and then well, you, you just never really hear about the ones. So as in like the travel business sounds cool, but actually it was, it was a bit of a nightmare. And so I think they only did like four things and was like, okay, this isn't for me, but like, there's lots of things like that, that you sort of start. And so I guess after the first one, I think I just got really lucky with the first one, to be honest. Like I did work hard on it, but statistically speaking, like a lot of things happen just by chance. And also, just because of the way it was structured, I couldn't stop doing it, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I had people needing something delivered, and I had guys that needed work, and I kind of kept on matching them, and there was always stuff ahead of me, so I couldn't really stop. And the same with, like, the podcast. Like, I've interviewed a bunch of people, so I've got, like, 20 podcasts more to release. I can't stop releasing them. 
And by the time they're all finished, I'll have interviewed some other people because I was curious and I'll have to carry on releasing it. So you can't stop. Whereas if you try and write a book or something, if you, if you stop after like writing really well for a month, no one's going to like make you write that fifth chapter. So you've never seen me like publish my book because I haven't finished it, but you don't, <laughs> you wouldn't think that I failed, but I guess currently I'm in a current status of failure in my book kind of thing. And so there's lots of things that I've maybe started, but just haven't had the passion or like enthusiasm to keep on going because something else has distracted me. I wouldn't say it's like purely Midas touch exactly. It's just the things that have worked, you can kind of hear about and they're cool. And there's lots of things that are just a bit of a mess somewhere that hopefully maybe I sort out at some point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just try lots of stuff, I guess. Like there's the, there's the 10,000 hour rule, but it's also the 10,000 experiment rule. I've ever heard. Like if you just try <laughs> doing 10,000 things, like one of them will be a huge success. Just like keep on going. Like obviously don't give up like straight away or endlessly, but like accept if something isn't quite right for you or isn't perfect and just try something else and don't give up, really. I love the fact that you're using failure as a way for you to actually learn from each one of them and you're just building up to do better in the next project. But you also said we don't see a lot of that and you're so right. I think a lot of the times we just feature things that are doing really well, right? But they don't see the back end of it where you're struggling so much and you're tearing your hairs out and it's just a horrible experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's the same with anything. Like on Facebook, if you look, your mate that went to Bali for like two weeks, you don't see like the plane delays and just getting really bored or like queuing for two hours to go look at some waterfall that they spend like five seconds actually taking a photo of before they have to go to some other queue. And like, it all looks lovely, but I don't know if it was even worth the effort kind of thing. Yeah, so like entrepreneurialism, like it looks awesome if you sort of just see someone when they have the success, but like there's lots of hard stuff that goes into it. Now let's talk about what setback you're currently experiencing right now as an entrepreneur, Sam. Is there anything that is really giving you a step back and maybe analyzing certain things and what you're learning from that? Yeah, there's always things, I guess. <laughs> I like I was always really good at math and I'm I'm not stupid, but I think it's taken me a bit longer to learn to code than some people because I'm, I'm not very good at languages or remembering words. Like it took me a long time to even learn to speak English. So coding is, is taken me like quite a long time to actually get like not shit. Um, <laughs> I, it's not like I actually need to learn how to code to sort of make cool ideas happen, but it has sort of stopped me from doing a lot of other things, the amount of time that I've put into it. And like I'm currently sort of thinking of actually getting like a real job, even, sorry, <laughs> shock horror. <laughs> for like six months to sort of just solidify my like learning on it, which I probably didn't need to do. It's just been like slightly obsessed with actually sort of mastering something, which I, I guess it set, pulled me back from actually doing as much as I could otherwise. And uh, the other thing I guess is, like I said about like, I kind of like having the control to do things when I feel like it and stuff. And I haven't also relating to my not brilliant abilities at speaking that I used to have. I've, I haven't been so brilliant at like offhanding things so I've been able to do it with some of my stuff in business, but sometimes I think I have been limited by like wanting to do everything myself. And certainly with my podcast, um, I could really do with like a personal assistant to help me with doing some things. I could get like a lot more podcasts out and do cool stuff with it and just generally be a more productive human if I was better at like offhanding some of the things that I do. And so I think that has limited me on like the amount of stuff I could be getting done because, yeah, I do 
find it hard to like explain what it is that I want people to do. And then I get maybe a bit frustrated if it isn't perfect when actually if it's 80% as good as what I wanted, that's still great because I could be doing like five other things in that time instead of like when wasting endless hours doing some stuff that's a bit faffy. Yeah, I think it's really hard for a lot of us to really give control to someone else, right? And especially when you have that type of personality where you're very hands-on with your business and your tasks, I can definitely understand that. And I had to learn to do that too. It's very type A in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because you just want complete control and feeling like it's not going to be done the right way or perfectly if you're not doing it yourself. So that's a really hard thing to do. But at the end of the day, like you said, you could do so much more with that time to build up your business and your podcast and all of these different things that you're doing as well. Yeah, I guess, I guess like the other thing that's been holding me back a bit is that after my first business, it took so much energy to be relentlessly doing that. I haven't properly committed to any one thing as my overall thing. And I've been quite indecisive and like I've dated a lot of ideas and sort of seen how they would go and been like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Like I would, so there's loads of things that I could have done, but I just didn't feel like I wanted to do it for like four years and I haven't wanted to commit to anything. So I've been a bit non-committal. So like the podcast is the only thing that I've actually permanently done for like two years. It's like my side hobby, but everything else I sort of started for a bit and then been like, oh, doing this for three years seems like effort is my full stuff. And so I've kind of been limiting myself to actually like really master something whether it's like writing or starting like a different business without like fully committing into it and I've just been a bit like yeah airy fairy in some ways <laughs> well that happens to me too and a lot of it I think is like shiny object syndrome you start one and then you have another idea and then you start on that one and then you get another idea it's never ending you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've been um, trying to get some direction saying like my shiniest object for now has to be putting a team around me to allow me to chase shiny objects, but know that they'll <laughs> be able to like make them actually work in the long term. Sort of like sort of, you know, Richard Branson, you know, he just does like things that are really cool, but he's got an like, amazing team of Virgin that actually sort of then goes and delivers on the rest of it. But he can like have his ideas and just be like blue sky thinking and make stuff happen. But it obviously executed a lot initially. But you can't just go and be Richard Branson straight away. You actually have to do the hard work first of like putting the team together to do that stuff. Yeah, he's amazing. But it definitely mm. took him a long time to get to where he is. And I'm sure there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into that that we don't even know about. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, you can't just sort of see people doing cool things and expect to have that instantly. You have to like do the hard work to get there. Yeah, I think we all want to skip through the beginning and just want to go to the middle and the the end of it or that the best mm. part of it right and I think that's what a lot of us are you know we definitely think about that stuff and we just want everything to go so well in the beginning and then we don't realize that it's so hard <laughs> yeah definitely but I guess it also helps when you if you do have like a business partner or something and you're both committed it sort of forces you to like carry on and stuff yeah. Give you that reality check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for your kind of projects, do you, have you done much stuff with other people or have you generally been more of a solo founder? Yeah. So I actually have assistants that do help me because honestly, I was definitely like you, Sam, for probably like the first year of my business, I was doing everything myself. 
And for six months of that, I was also doing my day job. So I was working eight hours a day and then I would come home and then work another like six to eight hours. And it was just really taking a toll on everything that I was doing personal wise, everything. So I had to learn to to just give up power in a lot of ways. And now it's it's interesting because I feel guilty when I don't work as much because I remembered how much more time I was spending on certain things. But then and then there's certain days where I don't work at all and I feel really guilty. And then I realize that there's actually people who are helping me with it. So then I'm like, okay, it's okay. It's taken yeah, care yeah. of even though I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. It's really empowering that when you, you get it sorted. Yeah. And it took a long time, you know, even just hiring somebody that was a huge process for me because I had to learn how to interview someone, what type of skills I was looking for, and and also especially training them. Mm. That's a huge thing. It's It was really hard. I had to learn that as well. <laughs> yeah. It's really, when you're used to moving fast, it's something you have to like slow down to move fast. You got to definitely yeah. step backwards. And there's a risk that you like train them and stuff and then they, they walk out and you just like wasted your month like doing everything slower to then not even have the thing that you wanted. But it's like you learn to work with people better and like to empower them faster by doing it, not by like thinking it's going to take too much of your time for the month. So you just have to like jump in and do it basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I've spoken to a lot of different entrepreneurs about this, you know, after the podcast. And that was one of their biggest issues too is like, hiring somebody, training them, spending all of this time, and then they either leave or it just doesn't work out. And then there's like certain systems you can do, like doing videos of it so you don't have to keep doing it over and over again. There's all different tricks that you can do, which are Mm. really good to do that. So it doesn't take up a lot of your time, even if you have to rehire someone or, you know, you have to do it some other way. Yeah, because I've really enjoyed helping some people that are like, were quite entrepreneurial and sort of came on as like interns, maybe wanted to do something longer term and like really helping them. But they, they were really excited to learn how I do things to the point <laughs> where like then they kind of just have like the job of doing like my boring things. And then like obviously they don't want to carry on doing that. And like, but they know how to do the exciting things that I do. So they just go off and do that, which is it's nice to have taught them how to do it. But it has like taken a lot of my time to be like, yeah, maybe that wasn't the most sensible thing to do. Perhaps I should just like go and find someone at work that genuinely wants to be an assistant for like a a job (laughs) rather than like teaching entrepreneurs to be cool entrepreneurs that but it's always really good to mentor people and stuff so I still do that anyway but no that's so true though I feel like there's different types of people there's people who want to be an entrepreneur and people who want to be there to support you with it right yeah and like you said the people who are going to be entrepreneurs in some point or another, they're going to leave you to start their own because they're doing this as a learning thing for them, right? They're learning from you. But it's also, like you said, it's hiring somebody who's going to be in full support of you. And, you know, it, it sounds bad, but they don't have goals to have their own businesses, but they just want to be there, you know, to have a paycheck. And there are people who are doing that and who are very good at doing that i think that's the hard part right it's really finding good people to to support you fully and not you know going off to be their own entrepreneurs (laughs) definitely so now sam let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life what legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for interesting um yeah i've been thinking about some of these things a bit we actually, I was in 
a like an entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, sort of summity thing. And on the last day, we sort of went through like the things that we want to become, and we wrote like a obituary for like in fifty years' time what we want people to remember us for. And then like the next day, I almost killed myself, and I was in the ambulance thinking I might be about to die. And I remember that I just oh written gosh. all my notes in my obituary, and I was there like, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> when they get to the funeral, they'll know what to say. And <laughs> so I guess at that point, I was like, I guess I want people to sort of really remember just more that I made them feel comfortable and like happy and sort of not scared because you know like some people can kind of you want to ask for help but then they could make you feel stupid or something but just always making people feel like safe in your sphere of environment or whatever yeah I guess I just really like people that like you know you just really enjoy being around them and you just feel like you're in a safe place when you're there so I just want to make people feel like that when they're with me and then in terms of more general like changes on the world I guess I would like to have an impact on the environment and really help things like that and like we'd like to change maybe some of the ways people think about stuff because we're quite selfish on things and I think we could be a lot more sharing and like actually have a better life ourselves if we were and like kindness and stuff is actually increases your actual happiness and well-being infinitely and things like tech and stuff messes with our brains and makes us want the wrong things and yeah there's lots of stuff that could be changed so I've been doing a lot of psychology that I'd really like to sort of help people with but it's really hard to know on the 50-year term because these are more like sort of three-year, five-year goals. Yeah, I don't know. And if you think like in 50 years' time, like maybe we're all stuck in a VR world anyway. Like, <laughs> and I don't know. Everything's so meaningless <laughs> in the big picture. Like I guess more just like the more core things about my personality, like people just sort of feeling happy and better for knowing me is, is like the main goal, I guess. Like whatever happens else in the world, like maybe the world gets destroyed anyway. Does, would it really matter? And all these things, it's just like, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> so you, you can get into things and just work hard on try and do the best that you can and, and not like beat yourself up about it, really. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I always remember somebody telling me is it doesn't cost you anything to be kind. So if that's one of the biggest goal that you have to be remembered by I think that's a pretty good one <laughs> yeah definitely or even like money and stuff it doesn't matter too much like you can always earn more money you can't get back more time or like friendships that you were in and stuff so yeah it's a funny one I don't know if you read much um like philosophy and things like Seneca on the shortness of life and stuff he's like talks about people that get like crazy frustrated about like some of their land being stolen or something and they're like well you can earn more of it but if you waste like a whole week getting pissed off and like starting a war with someone like it's a bit silly and there's just so many ways that you can like waste your time getting annoyed about things that you really don't need to it's kind of silly like the way the human yeah. brain works like uh yeah i just remember like i don't know i did a vipassana last year where i then made sense of some things that maybe didn't make sense before but i stayed with this nice guy in malaysia like I was sort of couch surfing with him. I'd met him once before. Like we went, like we hiked to a temple or something. And he was like, oh, I live in Malaysia. If you're coming, like, come stay at my house. And so I did with a friend. And like when we arrived, he was like, oh, here are my keys to the car. And like it's what, mess around with the house. It's new, like try not to break anything. And it was just like, okay, that's a bit nice and really cool. So anyway, we, <laughs> we had a nice time. Like a few weeks later, I think my friend was making me some like bean burgers or whatever. So we were like boiling these like beans. It was taking forever. And then we went to a movie with our friend. And when we came back, my friend that was cooking the beans thought that I had turned them off. And I thought that he turned them off because he was the one cooking them. And either way, <laughs> neither of us had turned them off. And they'd like overboiled and like all the water had gone. And they'd like 
cremated into this pan and like this weird, horrific, sticky bean juice had gone all over my friend's nice white kitchen and like under the floorboards and it, it smelled like burnt hat. It was the most horrific thing. It was awful. <laughs> and like our friend, we, we thought would have going to shout at us or something because if we just ruined his new kitchen and he was just like, oh, oh, oh dear. And then he just went to bed. He was like, um, <laughs> so I'm going to go to bed, guys. Like I've got work early tomorrow. Like I'll see you tomorrow evening. And we were there like <laughs> both like, is he retarded or something? What the fuck? <laughs> and anyway, we, we cleaned his kitchen and we bought him like some presents and like we did like, the best job and we shouted at each other a lot. And, and But like he was totally fine about it and he didn't put himself through any stress or anything. And then I remember a few months later, I then went to stay with my sister who also had just bought a new house. And she just made me feel quite like uncomfortable about the fact that I was in her kitchen, maybe making stuff like sticky or dirty and constantly like telling me off for anything I'd done wrong. And I remember feeling quite uncomfortable the whole time. And then yeah. I went to my Vipassana and I, sort of, I thought back about both these things. I was like, wait, my friend, by all accounts, should have like got angry and pissed off, but he would have stayed up all night shouting at us. He would have ruined the relationship with us. He would have had a horrible time and then like he'd have also been grumpy the next day at work. So he wouldn't have got enough sleep and he'd be stressed. But instead, he just sort of like didn't bother with getting stressed. And he just went, he just like fast forwarded to being happy again without yeah. being annoyed. I was like, fuck, that's genius. <laughs> Why bother getting annoyed if you can just go back to like the thing that you want, which is the end goal of being happy. And like, yeah. we just get pissed off about stuff that you don't need to get pissed off about. It's ridiculous. It's the same with so many things. So yeah, I guess I'd like to help people just spend more time being happy and not wasting their time getting angry and ruining things that they don't need to. Yeah. So yeah, long story, because <laughs> <But laughs> it, it's just quite a nice example, I guess. That. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's all about perspective. You know, it's it's really how you look at things and how you look at life. And your friend is definitely good with that. Kudos to him. <laughs> mm. yeah, you learned a really big lesson from that, right? Definitely. <laughs> I know, but you know, okay, I do that too. Like I try to to have perspective, but sometimes it's just so hard. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really hard at the moment. It's definitely one of those, like, hindsight. It's really easy to sort of think So your friend sound, seems like he's super zen. We need to do that. We need to, like, meditate more to get to that point to where he is naturally, probably. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, he, he did it for Paston as well. So I think whilst I was traveling, I met three people, like, probably the, the coolest people that I'd met over like that year of traveling had all done a Vipassana. So the first one I met told me to go do it. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds a bit weird. 10 days of sitting silently. No. Then the second guy was like, oh yeah, maybe. But the third (laughs) one was like, shit, all the coolest people I know have done this. I have to do this. But it just seemed like so bonkers just going and sitting and doing nothing for 10 days as someone that like does shit all the time. And like, I'm kind of (laughs) endlessly productive. It was just like, I can't just sit and do nothing. And so yeah, the first few days of sitting there was really, really hard just because if you're like, wow, yeah. I've put like 10 days of my life off and I'm not like answering any emails, emails or doing anything. I could like, I could do so much with this time suddenly that I've like made sacrifice. And then it took me, the thing that sort of like settled me was like, wait, I can just book a different 10 days where I can go and work like fuck loads and not talk to anyone if I wanted to. If this is such a cool <laughs> idea that's like attractive to me. So I can try and sit and do this thing that I've like booked because I'm here. And I'm so glad I did stay because yeah, after about like the fourth day, it just came like the favorite thing I've ever done. I'm just endlessly fun and amusing to myself in my own world it was really weird <laughs> so it's great i i don't think we do that enough though just to sit down and just listen to ourselves and what we're feeling and thinking so we definitely need more of that yeah yeah that's listen to what i was saying about like tech and stuff as well as in 
as someone that runs a podcast, I'm still like anti-podcast a little bit in some way <laughs> because I think there's um there's like a scale of productivity and like effectiveness. So if you use your phone, obviously if you're on Facebook and stuff the whole time, we all know that's a waste of time. And you can be listening to like brilliant podcasts such as your podcast and stuff. And then, you know, you'd be getting smarter all the day if you're like all your spare moments, you're listening to podcasts. But like, if you don't have any moments in your life where you're not doing something just with your own thoughts, so you're sort of, you're never actually like improving. So if you listen to a podcast and then instantly the next thing you listen to is like another podcast, you don't actually digest the one you've listened to. And like, you don't ask yourself the questions about what you thought about and what was useful for you. And it sort of, it goes in and like, if you get to the end of the day, if you listen to five podcasts, you can't even remember, like you couldn't even list all five of them. It's sort of a bit pointless. You just sort of entertained your brain for a bit and then forgot about it. And it's not actually that useful. Whereas if you sort of stop and like, you go, okay, what was like the most important thing I learned from this podcast? And you sort of, you actually make yourself speak it. And then you sort of think about some other things like, how can I, who should I tell about this like piece of advice, whatever you actually like digest it and it sort of becomes a bit more real or you make some notes, that kind of thing. And so if you, if you have a phone for like every single moment of your life, just to entertain you, you never actually think about what's going on in your brain. It's just like, it's a bit pointless. So if you can't even go to the toilet without a phone in your hand, it's probably (laughs) a problem. And yeah, so we should learn to actually like actually use our brains a bit because of currently as soon as like your brain's a bit like, Oh, I'm not doing anything. The default reaction is to get your phone out and just to like amuse yourself and to, like stop yourself from like trying to actually think about what to do like all you do is like oh my phone will sort of give me something to do now and like you'll read a blog post or check your email or it's definitely overload there's so much stuff and you're right we never take anything in we're like inspired for two seconds and then we move on to get inspired with another thing it's horrible (laughs) so now sam what are you currently working on that is really exciting for you um well yeah so i am looking at some jobs in code which is kind of exciting just because i've got to the point of being like kind of a mid-level developer and might be doing some like pretty cool things at some different companies depending on which one i end up at which is kind of exciting uh just to sort of get like the experience of working in like a big company because i've never actually worked for a big company as such and like they say you should always do it just so just to be curious and like see what the hell these people do and like what the majority of the world spend their life in because most people just by statistics work in like a bigger company and obviously I've never done that. So curiosity of it is kind of fun. And otherwise, yeah, growing my podcast has been stupidly exciting. So initially I kind of did like every two weeks, maybe a podcast, but like this month I've been releasing like three a week. And if you can do that much, it's insane. In the same way that I've read about like 80 books this year and when you read at like that higher level, you suddenly just have so much more information in your brain to like make connections with. You just learn so much faster. It's the same with like the podcast, like finding like really interesting, inspiring people to learn from, but like matching all of these, like the best lessons from them up when you're like constantly getting this sort of information overload coming in. It's, it's really kind of, yeah, just swimming in all this cool information is nice. And like <laughs> coming up with like conclusions from things and parallel lines about stuff. So yeah, I guess it's just exciting growing my output of things. So like I said, I've been trying to work on having people help me do things faster. So yeah, like I've been kind of getting to the points of like actually having the fruits of that and stuff. And yeah. it's been a lot of fun. That's definitely a new project for you to work on, right? Getting a team together. So that's going to be really exciting. Mm. Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, my podcast, which we alluded to, is uh, the Growth Mindset Podcast. 
so growthmindsetpodcast.com or any podcast player will have it. Then I have a blog, which uh, some of the things I've spoken about, I think I've written down as blog posts that are sort of more sensible. So that's samwebsterharris.com because Sam Harris is kind of a famous other person. Uh, <laughs> so add the middle name in there. Say so samwebsterharris.com. Otherwise, I think I have a Twitter and an Instagram at samharristweets and Sam Jam Snaps. But yeah, probably people aren't even writing things down with a pen. So look at your show notes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Sam, for being here with us. I really appreciate all of the stories that you gave us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, looking forward to having you on my own podcast because you're a pretty fun person. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sam. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to grow a remote business through deeper connections. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. And I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.